should you decide to accept it. Back to another week's Your Mission Pod. This week we're talking about Living Colors' 1990 sophomore album, Time's Up. Uh, my pick, and it's made it into my rotation a lot recently, so I cheated. Um, but, yeah, we're going to cut it down from a single disc to an EP. Uh, did you guys have fun this week listening to early 90s? Post-hair metal <laughs> vocals. It did. I did have some fun. I it, I guess it was just okay. Maybe I make a metaphor. I've been listening, you know, been listening to the Film Fumblers podcast and helping those guys out with some like production stuff. And one of the things about their perspective is this is funny because they're like twelve years younger than we are, like roughly, right? Eleven to twelve years younger than we are. They seem to think that movies in the early aughts have just aged poorly basically like across the board <laughs> so they'll watch a movie from then and they'll be like yeah it has that early aughts like whatever and i'm just like what, what do you mean and then so their main complaint is like the cg sucks or it just looks horrible or is dated or whatever and then stuff like the music sucks the soundtrack suck or that it's corny or whatever and it's always like early aughts i've never like trying to understand and so listening to this record the production is so like of its time in many different ways and it was definitely something i noticed right away like it's that's the first thing my ears noticed was like this before grunge guns and roses ish sort of production and sound instrumentation yeah, like, I feel like the way that these albums are recorded, I think it's in the miking, maybe it's in the reverb of the room, maybe it's added reverb, but there's a period of time that these guys are smack in the middle of. It sounds like the album was, was recorded in a large industrial warehouse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like... The, the, the drums are super reverbed, the bass is turned down lower than it should be. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, the bass lines in this are amazing. <laughs> if it was turned up just a little bit, right. it would be so much funkier. Totally, I totally agree. And the drums especially, right? It, I feel like there's just so many records around this time. There's Chili Peppers records that sound like this. There's mm -hmm. Guns N' Roses records that sound like Faith No More. All these other bands that had records around this time. And they just do, they have this weird sort of stock sound. It's, it's a little... I don't know if it's, I don't know, does it rise to the level of cringe? I don't think so, but it definitely stands but out. It, it definitely <laughs> mentally transports you. Like you hear it and you're just like, oh no, this is time-wise, this is taking me back to early 90s for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And pre-grunge, because the thing is... Yeah, I, th I think this is, this is at the headwaters of what became alternatives. Yeah. I think, because it's, yeah, it's, it's post-hair metal, pre-grunge, like, punk-influenced, but obviously a lot more money put into production than most punk albums did. Like, yeah. it's, it's cleaner than punk. Cleaner, um, very much. But, like, also, like, Vernon Reed's sound is very, like, like well, Van Halen, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it sounds, yeah. like, industrial in terms of there's a buzzsaw sound to yeah. his solos. Yeah. It, yeah, it's very Van Halen or Randy Rhodes, Zach Wilde, like that era, Ozzy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's super, like, it's super 
clean so you get these harmonics these high-end harmonics that come through really crisp yeah but but yeah but there's also like i think of i was thinking about bands that it reminds me of and red hot chili peppers obviously Corey glover's vocals have a little bit of stevie wonder in them on top of that like hair metal like arena rock like core to what he sings i there's a couple moments where there's a little bit of ministry that pokes through there's a track later in the album that's a little bit more industrial than the rest there's like i was thinking like ministry or thrill kill cult i I remember listening at some point listening to this and being like this kind of sounds like the black album a little bit like the the metallica's black album right so like it just the sound of the different instruments the arrangements the other thing about this is it's an interesting time in black music, like in in 1990, right? So it's like hip hop is in full effect. New Jack is like the sound in R&B. So this is like the time of Elvis DeVoe and Bobby Brown. I don't know all that stuff. This is also like a moment where there were like big, huge hip hop acts that were like quote unquote socially conscious. Okay, like Public yeah. Enemy was like a huge group. Queen Latifah, MC Light, and it was like, so, De La Soul, so it was a lot of kind of positive, this is pre The Chronic, pre yeah. Illmatic on the East Coast. Yeah, this is like brand Nubians, like, time frame. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. So this, this is like a really interesting time, and it's interesting that Queen Latifah does a feature and, on here. Dougie Fresh does Dougie a feature. Dougie Fresh does the beatboxing, yeah, like, that was... I think it's interesting that compared to the sound that was out there at the time, like these guys nail it and add a lot, a lot of different, a lot of variety of influence. And they're like super conscious about what they're writing. So they're like, Love Rears Its Ugly Head is probably like the most straightforward, like pop style song, or maybe the song about safe sex. Uh, but like the majority of the stuff is very like environmentally conscious or like socially conscious like even their new jack song which is new jack in terms of it's the drug dealers in power right 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 it's, yeah. it's like a critique on the abandonment of inner cities during the time of like major drugs you know so like when this album came out I, I, I was living in Miami and so I, I have a very snapshot of this time like so like the last year we lived okay the two year the two last years we lived in Miami were really weird so my dad like basically my dad thought that he was gonna get his green card like a year before he ended up getting it okay and, and he thought we were gonna be staying in Miami and that's another long story it didn't pan out and so the second to last year I lived in Miami we lived in like for the first time in my whole life lived in a proper house it wasn't like a condo or some like shitty apartment or whatever and then it was a proper house and we were gearing up to be living in Miami for a long time okay so then when we found out about the green card stuff we had to scale back so we then moved into some crappy condo until my dad was able to get his green card and then we got the hell out of Dodge, okay? <laughs> so that second to last year, like we had some nice things, including like my dad like got like cable, which again was like a crazy luxury at the time. And so 
I, I, and it came with HBO, and I remember watching New Jack City. And I know this sounds weird because like I was, it was like I was, I don't know, nine years old. But like, my dad never gave a fuck about censoring me when it comes to like movies. <laughs> so anyway, I watched New Jack City, and so like I knew who Ice T was. Yeah. All the songs on the soundtrack, I, like, and this was back in the day when they played the same fucking movie like every night, like. Yeah, yeah. They had the rights to like three new movies a week, and they played those three movies in heavy rotation throughout the whole week. So I yeah. watched that movie a million times, and all the soundtrack was like "Color Me Bad." I think there was a Belle Biv DeVoe song. It was just like so, like I knew all that stuff. This was the time of MC Hammer, and then the other thing was when I was in school, I had a buddy who brought a tape to school, and it was it was a two live crew tape. And this was like the fourth grade, this was all the fourth grade boys were like, what the fuck is this? I think it yeah. had like, pop that pussy on there. <laughs> like, you're just like, okay, what is this? And it was just like one of those secret kind of, we're listening to this shit and not Suddenly even knowing. a small group of fourth graders have all started growing facial. Exactly. It's, it's like, what happened? you listen to that all tape and the, and just, and yeah, your balls just dropped as soon as you listen to the <laughs> to the tape, you know what I mean? But so it's just a very snapshot of a moment in time. I didn't know anything about Living Color. Nothing. I mean, these got none of their songs. I remember on MTV later on seeing Cult of Personality, the video on there, but I never ever heard these guys, but all the music they're referring to, I did. Yeah. So like in in Elvis is Dead, they're, they they like dropped that public enemy line like Elvis name. Yeah. <laughs> He didn't mean shit to me or whatever. Like that whole line. Yeah. Elvis, Elvis was a hero to some. Yeah. I knew about Public Enemy. I knew about Queen Latifah. I knew about all those, all the kind of surrounding stuff. I knew about New Jack, but not them. And it was yeah. like Living Color adjacent. Exactly. Yeah. I knew everything Living Color adjacent, I think. I didn't know like Faith No More and other stuff like that. I, I didn't really listen to like heavy rock music until I got to. West Virginia for the most part like my parents weren't really super into it it didn't play on the radio and that was my only access to it yeah it didn't play on the radio is, is probably like the tagline for this album right like <laughs> I didn't play on the radio like I so this came out in 1990 like August of 90 so at this point roughly I was getting my first access to music that didn't come from my parents, my friends at school, and the radio. Like this was maybe the first the time frame where I got access to MTV because I started going to my dad's in Moorfield every couple weeks. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so Yo MTV Raps was on my playlist. Like I basically I would get there and turn on either the comedy channel or what became Comedy Central or MTV and it would be 100% of the time almost maybe a little like HBO or whatever they were subscribing to that month but like it just there was a lot of music that I had no access to that suddenly I could throw in a VHS tape and record like an hour of Yo MTV raps and have like hip-hop available to me for the only like the only way it was available to me in 1990. There was no option for that on the radio. And I remember seeing the video for Cult of Personality. I don't think I remember any of the videos for this album. 
any of the songs on this album. Yeah. I didn't know any of the songs on this album. I didn't know anything about that they did that the Elvis is Dead song or any of that stuff. It, yeah, no, it's a... There's some big names on this. Yeah, I know. They got Lil Richard. They have Lil Richard. They have Maceo Parker, who played sax with James Brown. Right, that's right. right. And Parliament Funkadelic. Right, that's right. So they've got Dougie Fresh, Little Richard, Mick Jagger, Maceo Parker, Queen Latifah. Like, it's, it's, it's so interesting, know, these guys too. Obscure. It's so interesting because their music is like definitely very much of a time, and they were like really trying to reach out to other yeah. black musicians and other doing other stuff. But I don't know that it works. I'll be honest. Queen Latifah, whatever the song is that Queen Latifah's on, might be like, it just sounds corny as shit to me. I um, think that's Undercover of Darkness. Yeah. Right? yeah. It sounds yeah. corny as hell. Yeah. The Dougie Fresh thing is cool, but that's because it's mostly Dougie Fresh and like the beatboxing. Yeah. I don't even know what Lil Richard did on Elvis is Dead. Elvis is Dead. Did I he play the he piano? Did. It was probably that or the vocal part remember they have that like vocal snippet where everybody's saying Elvis is dead oh yeah yeah so I think Little Richard and um, maybe Mick Jagger's on that as well it credits Jagger as doing background vocals so okay what's on. <laughs> I can't hear him anywhere so yeah. I assume he's on that same song so he also in, in that song Elvis is dead refers to Graceland the song Graceland by Paul yeah, Simon yeah, yeah. I have reason to believe we all won't be received. <laughs> Quick question. Have any of you guys been to Graceland? No, I have not. I haven't. I have. We need to add it to the road trip. I have yeah, been yeah. to Graceland. Oh. I, but that's okay. I'm, I'm happy to go again. It's it's interesting. Elvis had some interesting interior decoration choices. <laughs> I, I imagine him like stylistically just being like a Paula Deen kind of character. <laughs> Yeah, but think Paula Dean like in the seventies, like yeah. very like he had green shag carpet on the ceiling of some of his rooms. I'm not really sure, and there were a lot of interesting choices. Just to say, I guarantee you, someone had to though. I guarantee oh, you, there were times where oh, yeah. Elvis walks into the room. When's the last time this shag carpet's been vacuumed? <laughs> Somebody get in here and vacuum this ceiling. Yeah. Okay, now that we're on the subject of this Elvis is Dead thing. Yeah. It's interesting to me to think about Elvis and what he meant back in the day in popular music, what he meant in this late 80s, early 90s time, and then what people think of him now. Because, so when I was growing up and the radio would come on, there was like a oldie station or whatever. I liked the oldie station. Right? Like, I listened to Motown, The Supremes, and all that stuff. And Elvis was playing on... You know, Elvis was playing on the oldie station all the time. So I knew all the Elvis songs. And I liked them, too. Like, Hound Dog, and... Even, like, the even like the ballads, all that stuff. I liked all that shit. And then, then comes Public Enemy, and it's just, he ain't mean shit to me. And like, I didn't really think about it. And then, like, you start learning, right, how he... He definitely appropriated a whole bunch of a whole bunch of stuff from black music, the dancing and the kind of dancing he did. Was dancing, it wasn't really, and that's why it made such a big scene. It wasn't really something that people danced to like 
white people danced to, or it wasn't a way that white people danced. And he took, he took like gospel and soul, and he took a lot of different influences and made a sound. I understand how people feel. I understand, I get it. I understand, like he gets, I think he's like the king of rock and roll and like everyone, I don't know, he probably gets way too much love. He was also like super mainstream. He was in a million movies. He was in Na or Korea or Nam. He was in Nam or no Korea. Maybe it was Korea. I think I don't know. Like it, he was very famously. He went. He enlisted and he was a poster boy. And so I totally get people hating on Elvis for lots of legitimate reasons. I'm just gonna come out and say I still like Elvis's music. I it still moves me. And like there's songs, Love Me Tender, I think is an all-time great ballad. I don't know, there's still songs of his that are like so crazy good and intense and I think he's got an amazing voice. And so that's my piece on Elvis. <laughs> I'm coming out as a Elvis supporter, Elvis appreciator. Yeah. Well, so there's, there will be no shaming of anyone yeah. here. This is a safe space. <laughs> Yeah, it could be a safe Elvis space. Like, I, I, you know, I don't care <laughs> enough to make feelings. fun of you. So, yeah. yeah. Well, no, I also don't know that I paid ever enough attention to Elvis to have yeah. an opinion on the subject. So, hmm. I'm certainly that's where not I gonna. Too. Really? Yeah. Okay. What about his like comeback in the '60s, where with the leather jacket and in the ghetto and suspicious I mean, minds, all that shit. I remember watching the like comeback special at one point. Mm -hmm. As a kid, my like primary like access to Elvis was through the Beach movie, Elvis time. Oh right, right, right. Like, yeah, of course. Like I remember a lot of this being on television. My parents didn't listen to Elvis for any period of time. <laughs> I remember. Okay. Um, also, my main introduction to in, or like when I think of In the Ghetto, I think of South Park, and that's the first thing. That's <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Okay. What about? Sorry, Elvis. Do, do any of you guys like Chris Isaac? Yeah, I like. I think that the songs of his that were on the night that were on in the '90s, like I fucked with this. Like yeah. they're they're. I can't say that I ever went down a Chris Isaac rabbit hole and listened to his whole catalog, but what I've heard. Yeah, I can't say I've listened to an album. There are a handful of tracks that I've heard that were fine. Not not good enough that made me like go look for Chris Isaac's album. Okay. Like yeah, that that style doesn't really. We need we may need to watch a very risque Chris Isaac video in the after party. Yeah, that's fine because that song is great. That's like <laughs> the only Chris Isaac song I know that I'm certain I know. Yeah. Okay. It's a great song. All right. Okay. So, All right. That's me, fine. What what about what about you, Thomas? So we want to do. Did you have any time with anything that sounded like this at this time frame? Was John listening to anything like this? No, John was not. John was a little, I think, slightly before this in as much as that. I can remember like album, some albums that he had, but they were like heavy on the Nirvana, like Pavement, like Breeders Last Splash was a John special that I inherited. And he had some... I think there was a diggable planets in there somewhere. Like yeah. he was around, he, he was like adjacent maybe to this sort of thing, but never really was, that I can recall, was never into like more of a GNR or like a Metallica or a Megadeth or any of that. But I hit those later on. I think later in the 90s, I gave, I, ha I had a little phase where I was into Metallica and Megadeth and 
Guns N' Roses. But I came to it late. Like, I didn't come to it, like, contemporaneously with when it was on. I don't know why. Years after the fact. But as far as Living Color, though, I'm glad that we listened to this because my only familiarity with them was Cult of Personality, which is, is not a song that I ever really liked that much. And I'm glad that we listened to this because I, there are songs on this album I do, and I'm glad that I have now had that education. Like now I'm just like, oh, okay, this band was more than that one song that I don't really love, and there are actually some pretty, pretty tight things on here. So I'm glad that we listened to it, honestly. Uh, this, I know this is kind of out of the wheelhouse for both of you guys. I listen yeah. to a lot of Faith and More. I, I think I can say, like, I listen to more than anybody else. For, yeah, and for I sure. I think that's because I came to it late, but I really like that sound. This exists somewhere a little more polished than I would normally go for, but I still, re- I've enjoyed this album. But there's just so much, like, variety, in, like, from track to track. Now, almost to a disservice that there's not a consistent sound through the album. It's really just, it shows their like versatility to play other types of music, but it doesn't do a good job of exhibiting who they are in that sound. I feel like what ties it together is like the, is I think Vernon Reed likes to show off. And there's just like fills he does that are, you don't catch him just playing the riff typically which is kind of cool so like even during the verse like he's like playing he's playing and then it's always like a little variation or he's always throwing in that kind of eddie van halen by the way eddie van halen rest in peace that eddie van halen i don't know what the hell you call what what is that technique ryan do you know what i'm talking about yeah i don't pick is is it like a pick what's it's a pick drag or something is that is that all this the like pick scrape yeah 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 and You just hear little things like that, like, all the time. Yeah. Also, like, the thing that I like about Vernon Reed, and it plays a little bit more into my, like, taste for dissonance when he goes into solo, because it will be something that's a little bit more melodic at first, but eventually it just turns into a chainsaw of, yeah, his fingers dancing on the neck, like, it's got the whammy bar, it really, he goes absolutely crazy with his solos sometimes, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I I think, yeah, for me, no, it was, it was cool, it was fun. And you're right, I think uh, you're definitely a much bigger Faith No More. And I would also say Chili Peppers fan than I am. Yeah, I'm a big early Chili Peppers fan. Like, once, like, Californication's okay, but on the other side of, like, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, I start to fall off in interest because all those albums kind of bleed together for me. Like... I like Blood Sugar Sex Magic was great. Mother's Milk was great. Like I, the the earlier, the better with the Chili Peppers for me because it's a lot, a lot crazier. Like it's got a little bit of funkadelic. It's got a little bit of ska. It's got a lot of punk. Like it's unhinged in a way that their later stuff is not. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they definitely um, tighten it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you. Can you refresh that page, Alonzo? For some reason, it's not. You've got a track list there, but for some reason, it hasn't updated that in a while. Okay, cool. Yeah. I was just going to say that Faith No More is like one of those bands, and I guess the more every week that we do this, more of them occur to me, like Chris Isaac, but Faith No More, (laughs) I really like, I really like Helpless, and I listen to that song a lot. 
and you just reminded me that for some reason that I had, couldn't tell you, I never actually took the initiative to go deeper into it, and I probably should, because I love that song. There's, like, the interesting thing about Faith No More is that, like, you have this kind of rock sound in, early in their career, like, across their first, like, two or three albums. They sound a lot like what this sounds like. But, like, the more comfortable Mike Patton gets with the band, because he wasn't their original singer, he came on the third album. The more comfortable they get with him and he gets with them, the more you get, like, this birth of operatic songs like it just it goes all over the place again like the, it's some like musicians that have a wide variety of influence turning out some really interesting stuff i mean he's the king of mr he's like king mr all over the place because he's so many different music projects they sound very different and i yeah. feel like it's because of he's his voice is so like he can do so much with his voice that he can do, he's just capable of doing so many more kinds of things. Yeah. Joey Ramone was only capable of ever doing one thing. <laughs> That's true. And so they only played one kind of song, really. You want to go into some of the specific tracks? Sure. I would say, that, okay, I think every, I, I, I think everyone could agree on the Freebird of the album, if I could bring that up. Yeah. And, okay, could we all say at the same time? Maybe. <laughs> Like, is it, this is the life. Uh, I was gonna count to three. Yeah, yes, this is the life. Yeah, that that was that was my pick right for the Freebird. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think I agree on that. In terms of the sweater song. Yeah, what's the sweater song of the song? Sweater song. Oh, I think it would. Or type. I think it'd be the safe sex song, personally. <laughs> I like sweater song. I don't like the. Uh, I don't like that song. Yeah, yeah. In general, to to go back to hip hop around this time, it doesn't. It makes complete sense to me why like something like the Chronic had success, because it was really a rejection of a lot of the kind of stuff that was going on in mainstream hip hop at the time, and it was way more dangerous. And you had the big groups were like Salt and Peppa, like talking about yeah, safe sex. I don't know. <laughs> no, but that's true because you have people like Biggie who are like glamorizing the life, that life, and then you have like other people who were like, honestly, it's not that cool, and we don't really appreciate what it's done to certain to the neighborhood. Which they're right, and Biggie was. I guess we don't need to get into. No, 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 no. Look, look. I, what I'm saying is, it's all about timing, right? Sure. And Biggie, like Biggie's kind of music and his stuff was like dangerous. It was dangerous at the time, and. All the Latifah, all that stuff was way before that. And I think by the time The Chronic comes out and stuff like that, people were already like, yeah, it's kind of corny. Yeah, I, this, so I feel like stuff like Latifah is this, and, and LL Cool J is the intersection of the, what was considered an underground sound at the time becoming more mainstream. Like, like it's the way it becomes more palatable to a common ear, right? Whether it's playing better on a radio or it's less like complicated lyrically, I don't know. But like, I think these guys tried to sit at that point where they were trying to show that it's not just a bunch, like rock's not just a bunch of white guys, like rock's got funk and blues and 
you know, rebellion and resistance and like frustration. And they, I feel like they said at this point where that that sound maybe existed in bands like Faith No More and Fishbone at this time and wasn't part of a mainstream. And I think these guys rode that line in an interesting way that had there been a few more songs that sounded like the beginning of this song was playing now, which song is this? This is uh, this is the safe sex song, I think. Is it? Under okay. cover of darkness. So like, like there are bits of sounds of this that that ended up on the radio in other forms like bits of tracks here and there that you can hear other radio tracks and other band sounds come out of within the next couple years but these guys for whatever reason like never broke through in that same way cult of personality was a big hit this album did okay for them for a sophomore album but yeah it went gold and vivid was double went double platinum yeah which i and i'll say the reason i didn't choose vivid over this is because i feel like this is like a better rock album like all put together like maybe it's not a better living color album i I bet it's aged better vivid no i bet this has aged better this is a little fresher sounding for sure, but Vivid's a little bit more of the underground hip hop influence comes through in Vivid a lot more. Excuse me. <laughs> all right. What do we talk about? I think it's funny. Like we yeah, we all we almost we have almost the same um, choices, except Alonzo, you chose Solace of You. Oh yeah, let me play it's, that it's song. An interesting choice. Toma, you chose Information Overload. Yeah. I like that song. That's one of the most Van Halen of the songs, I feel like. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's the one I was like, yeah. Like, it it just jives in that way. Solace of You sounds what would become Dave Matthews. Solace of You sounds to me like almost like town. It sounds like like South African, like pop type of deal. Do you know what I'm saying? It sounds like it had, yeah, this is the root of what became like jam bands in the next seven years, though, right? Like, yeah, but this like, is like a proper it, song. Yeah. yeah this <laughs> is it's not like a Wait, jam. This, this is almost reminiscent of like Paul Simon's, like, it is. New, it, like, um, the African sound. I think it, yeah, it is to it me. Was, like, it's like a South African pop sort of sound, yeah. real light, but it's a proper song. Yeah. Do we have do we have a few spare minutes in the after party? Because I have the perfect fucking course, yeah. South African song for you. Okay. What do you want? Awesome. Cool. Yeah, throw, here we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah, feel free to throw that in the chat or the donut. Yeah, or the duck. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I, it I, was actually a. Uh, what were you gonna say, Tom? Sorry, I didn't mean to tell you. It was it was actually very unimportant. I was just gonna give a shout out to Jake who who turned me on to that this particular one, which I think you guys will love, and I felt like I should give credit, but it wasn't relevant to anything other than me just throwing that in there. And also, I found all my old band T-shirts, and I have a Pat shirt and a false, several false pterodactyl shirts, and I was yeah. like, man, I I really oughta. That was good stuff, especially that one Pat Pat album was amazing. And I'm getting us way off track now, but <laughs> shout, out, shout out to oh, my yeah. Morgantown oh, band. Yeah. yeah, shout out to the Morgantown sounds. Yeah, 
yeah, I think Solace to You is really, it's just another, it's another track that's almost completely different from everything else on the album. It shows they, like when they want to, they can really change up their sound and it's still a solid track. I would have loved more exploration of this sound. Because I think yeah. it, it's it like, it, there's a lot of room, there's a lot of space to for people to show off if they want, I think. Yeah. Um, and the bass is turned up here. Exactly. Yeah, that's the, another thing. The drum, the drums aren't tracked like they're in a tin can. That's right. Um, like, yeah, there's Vernon Reed steps back in a lot of ways yes. and lets the rhythm section move forward, and it's like a completely different band, but they still have that language between each other. Like you can tell, like they're good at this. I just like it. To me, it's like this is going to be one of my like. F- Going forward, like little secret weapons in a mix or something at some point. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good choice. This is a nice obscure track to work into. A yeah, somewhere for else. sure, for sure. I think yeah, and and that yeah. Neither of you guys had that one. I think everything else I line up. Okay, Elvis is dead. I didn't. I did not include Elvis is dead. I don't know. Is it because I was trying to defend Elvis's honor? I have no idea. Or maybe it, is it wasn't one of my favorites. It really that it, one was not for me. Well, that one to me also. The other problem with it was like, and and maybe let me pull it up here. But the other problem with it is, like, there was too much going on. It's like too much. They're pulling in Graceland reference, Public Enemy reference. Yeah, it's a pretty generic sounding riff. It's like whatever. Like it, it, it didn't move me, and it, I feel like it should have. They're trying to say like something kinda, here. It felt like a good, like, jo- like a joke, good joke track, like a good fun fucking around track, and really drove home the Chili Peppers sound. Yes, like totally. Early Chili Pepper sound for me, and I think that's why I included on on mine. My my actual playlist is a couple songs longer than this for sure, mm-hmm. but Elvis is dead. I, I have fun with it. I enjoy it. Okay, what about Ology? Because I did not include oh. that, and both of you guys did. It's the instrumental one, which I thought was just, it wasn't very long, but it just, and I struggle with this all the time because I, it's harder for me to explain, I think, in words, like why I like certain, why certain songs just vibe with me. And it's just, I, I really, at the end of the day, either they got the neurons all lined up and firing like happily or they didn't. And sometimes I, there's nothing more I can say than that. Yeah. I can't talk about, it's, it's just, no, like, I sure, you. there might be, like, a part of it that I really like, but at the end of the day, I can't be like, oh, this was really cool, because I could also find you, like, five other songs that did that that I didn't like, so it's... Yeah, I, yeah, I, this I really like this. I like this song. I think it reminds me It reminds me of Victor Wooten. It's, like, kind of jazz rock bassist from the early, mid-90s. Also, Thundercat, like, for a more modern reference. Like that like slap like that kind of poppy jazz bass sound in it is just beautiful and again it's a cool no it's cool it's really cool i i probably should have just included because like i did also include another instrumental sort of skit type cut which is like the very first cut that i have on my ep history lesson and this is like the james earl jen sample running through yeah yeah so i feel like I feel I like the song. It's cool. It has a, it has a different, a little bit of a different sound. I, a lot of these songs have a little bit of a different sound, right? 
Yeah. Which two songs are like most like each other? Maybe like Type and Fight the Fight. They're, like I feel like if there's a thread, it's the sound of Fight the Fight, Type, New Jack theme, Someone Like You. Like Those probably have that same or similar sound pattern. Cause like, there's still a lot of variation, like different bridges, different courses for sure. They go yeah, a like, lot of places on a lot of different songs. And especially with Type, I really like the second half of Type. If you actually skip, ironically enough, to 420, Alonzo, that's pretty much the part of it I really like. But this part's fine. This is fine, but like the second half is where shit really starts to like get good for me, I feel like. Yeah, like yeah. this melodic part. The harmonizing. Yeah, 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 this I just is really cool. vibe with it. Well, yeah, this it, it also turns job, into like, a totally different song. It's just you have it, it's almost just you've got okay. one song and then this is just Does this sound yeah. a little more grunge to you? Like a little more yeah, like in that direction? Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, I think some of the better songs on this album have two or three different songs within them. Yeah. Like if they wanted to make a two minute song out of yeah. They wanted to split some of these songs up into two minute, two and a half minute songs. There are a lot of different sounds that come through on this album. And a lot of times like the like Vernon Reeves guitar solo is the thing that will take you from one end to the other. Like it'll start as this very straightforward rock sound, then it goes into a solo and the solo gets spacey. And when it comes back, things are a little bit more spacey, funky, jazz, or vice versa sometimes. It's, they, they, yeah, that versatility comes through not only track to track, but within the same tracks. And there are some songs on my playlist that maybe didn't make my EP that I feel like I didn't like the first two minutes of this song, but like at 2.15, it really nails my taste in music <laughs> for the next like minute and 40 seconds. Yeah. I was thinking about Time's Up, which is essentially yeah. like, it's a thrash hardcore, hardcore like, yeah. Yeah. I, and there's nothing, there's not another song really like this on the whole record. Like, yeah, like double time drum line is just like, yeah. Here's the thing about this song, right? And the thing I think, I don't know, maybe I should be more of a Varieties of Spice of Life, but I feel like, like the thing is, they, they don't, if this is track one on the record, I'm thinking that I might get songs, a song kind of like this, at some point in the future, maybe, or some similar vibe. And this, it does transitions and does a couple different things, but if right from the rip, like I'm hearing something that's basically, yeah, like you're right, like Bad Brains or but maybe a little more thrash, a little more metal than Bad Brains. And then you don't hear that in the rest of the record, like at all. Yeah. I don't know yeah. that I love, I don't know that I love that. You know. I would agree. I think that kind of reinforces the point I made earlier, where it's like this ends up being almost like a greatest hits of their influences versus like a solid, like living. This is our sound, like, you know, any amount of consistency. It ends up being like it shows their versatility versus. But see, this part's like Anthrax or something, right? So this isn't yeah. really hardcore. Like, this part is. Like the beginning with the double time and there's not much going on with the guitar. Okay. But now this part, this is like metal. This is a thrash metal. Do you know? The, yeah. There's the guitar, yeah. like the virtuosity on the guitar is, does not compare with any like hardcore 
record from that time. It's like someone yeah. who knows what the fuck they're doing playing their, their well, instrument. Well, and like hard, hardcore, the kind of thing you're talking about in terms of the punk sound is like very, it, it's, you don't put a solo on that. There's a reason. That's that right. You definitely don't. In 40 seconds. <laughs> yeah. You definitely don't. Because that's showing off. Because like, it's all about the energy. It's all about the emotion, right? Like it's just. Right. But see, to me, when people say stuff like that, it's okay, that's cool, but you're telling me that when, like, I listen to Maiden and they're fucking getting through some really crazy, amazing, super complicated solo or some really interesting, weird transition or passage, like, that shit is awesome, too. It's like, it like it moves me, you know? I don't know. Well, and I think that's, that's one of the things that, like... That's one of the strong points of this type of album is that it feels like a statement of, no, we don't make pure anything. What we make is a combination of these things that we love and resonate with us. And it's not pure Maiden. It's not pure Bad Brains. It's not just hardcore. It's not just shred metal. It's not just Af South African pop music. Yeah. Like, it's everything. And yeah, I, I and even though that. it is gets like a little bit, even though it gets a little bit confusing, like I, I had, I think Alonzo is completely right about the first song because it, it set my expectations in a way that I was just like, oh wait, okay. It, it is a little bit disconcerting, but also at the same time, like respect to, to them for being being able to do so many different things. Like I'll, I will absolutely say that I'm impressed with their ability to do all of these things pretty well. And not yeah. be pigeonholed, too. And I'm sure it must have been hard as fuck to be, like, an all-black band making this kind of music and being taken seriously. Yeah. Like, that must have been, like, that must have been an incredible challenge. And still, like, go double platinum. And still, obviously, yeah. it shows that they got something. Well, and it's a hard thing if you're these guys and you're going out on tour and you're touring with another band. Who do you tour with? Who do you with? tour with? Who, yeah, who right. do you tour with? Yeah. Faith, Faith No More. Like, and you just, right, like, yeah, right. exactly. Right. I mean, it has to be somebody like Faith No More. They also refuse to do that in that it would be easy to bring somebody like Chuck Mosley or Mike Patton on an album like this, and they don't, right? They bring yeah. in Dougie Fresh and Queen Latifah because they're, yeah. they're easily like, yeah, we're black and we play metal, but black and we like hip-hop and like it's all funk and blues and rock and all of it together these and the one thing that so this album is 30 years old this year that's which crazy is pretty crazy yeah um it's also pretty crazy how timely some of the lyrics sound fuck yeah like in terms of the same kind of bullshit like going on in the world 30 years ago that these guys were singing about the exact same things we're fucking with now because it's just nobody's done anything in those 30 years to really try and alleviate that dude, dude that, that's another thing is I, I just didn't really understand or I didn't really know that about them until I listened to this record they're very thoughtful about their lyrics and with some exceptions I feel like they tackle some of these subjects in a way that's not corny Remember a couple of shows ago when we were like in the after party, we were listening to Anderson Pack and uh, that song Lockdown. To me, it's a beautiful thing. It's and it's not corny and it's timely. You know what I mean? I don't know. It, it's to me, it's about the perfect like protest song, if you ask me. Yeah. And they nailed it. Like this song right here, Pride. Like they nailed that a couple of times where there's nothing corny about what they're saying or doing. 
and they roll right into it. Then there's Seisak Song and, and, and others. And, where, yeah, and others. Like, right, had like, I listened to that song like at the time, it, it would not have seemed so corny at the time, but I just feel like that's just a, a product of listening to it in 2020, maybe, to be fair to them. Maybe. I, I think there were plenty of other things that at the time seemed pretty pretty normal and I wouldn't have blinked twice about, but like today, then I'm like... Oh. Two, okay, look, two years later after this record came out, you know what record came out? Rage Against the Machine's first album. Okay? Right. Yeah. Very similar, a lot of overlapping political messages on the first album. Not one second of it is corny. There's not <laughs> one set, like all of it is like... All of it is delivered in such a way. It's also a completely different sound, right? (laughs) I I think, like, a lot of the corniness is in the dated way that this album sounds. There's, it's like the polar opposite in production between those two albums. This is super polished and, like, highly produced. This, like, Raging at the Machine's first album is... But that's, I feel like that's what they need. I, and again, so I listened to, uh, so I also listened to Vivid, by the way, this week. Right. Just to get, a, just to refresh my memory a little bit. I've no, I've not listened to other, like their other records after this. So maybe they switch they it up. One, they had one more after this, I think, before like a They, they broke up for a while. Yeah, yeah. so I, I, I'm curious to see yeah. if they, I'm curious to see if they switched up in the 90s with grunge and like i'm curious to see if they took some like notes and i bet they did and like grind up their sound a little bit because i feel like they need the grime like wand they need the like lo-fi wand to yeah because they have a the thing is like they have a strong sense of like song structure they have they can put together good melodies or interesting riffs they have great lyrics so it's you don't need to make everything so crystal perfectly clear and smooth like to get the point across and in fact, like giving it a little bit more, I don't know how to explain it. Giving it a little bit more of a, a sound that's a little bit less, like each track is like separated and compressed. Like I yeah. think would, would really, like I would, I wonder if someone could remix this. Like if they had the original tracks and they could remix it in such a way that like, it's as if what's his face from My Blade Valentine showed up. like. Kevin, what's his face? Kevin, yeah. You know, Kevin Shield. Kevin Shield, yeah, exactly, yeah. I, I wonder if it would alleviate some of the problems I have with this record. Also, to be, sorry, Jenny, like, to disagree a little bit, I've never thought Queen Latifah was cool. Not, not, no, not, not in 1990, not in 1991, not in 2020, and any time in between, basically. Like, but, I've but, always felt like gosh, there was, was something corny, like, about her. Not, not even when she was living single? Gosh. Look, I respect her ability to rap, which is, like, not easy. Sure. And No, okay, I respect that, but it's just, it's, I'm not the right audience, and... Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I have never been a fan of Queen Latifah either. I just feel, I feel like that I listened to things or I heard things like that back then and just didn't think that much about it. And it's, I'm not saying her in particular, but just, I don't know, plenty of stuff that like, or even I would hear John playing stuff and I would just not really think that deeply about (laughs) 
Man, I don't know. Maybe it was just a product of me being young. Maybe I'm just critical now. <laughs> critical of my old age. Maybe. Well, I think we all are. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious. I'm curious to, I think it's an interesting project, Jenny, to try and separate. Is this corny because, is this corny because of the, because of the message or is it corny because of the sound that makes the message sound cornier? Right. Oh, the, the message is definitely corny. I don't think either one of them is, is, is blameless. I just think that, to be totally fair, like maybe a little bit, I think you could maybe go 50-50 on it or 60-40. I don't know. Okay, so here's, yeah, here's another yeah. point of comparison, right? So the first Dead Prez album, right? First Dead Prez album came out late 90s, I think it's called, or, okay, no, supposedly, according to the internet, it came out in 2000, February 8th, 2000. I remember listening to it and it sounded great. It sounded like it sounded fucking awesome. It's got an all-time classic song on it called hip, just called Hip Hop, which I, you probably recognize. It was a it was I think the the opening music to every episode of Chappelle show. But anyway, there are songs on here that are super like message-wise straight up corny there's a song called be healthy that i think i mentioned this before that's like about being a vegan again keep yeah. in mind this is in 2000 right being vegan was basically like something that like like wealthy white people practiced and like indie people in india that couldn't like can't afford meat or whatever so stuff like that there's others there's like they had a song called day schools that was like that it reminded me of Pride a little bit, you know? Just talking about Eurocentrism and the way they teach history, like the way they teach the struggle of black people in this country. But I don't, I, for not for one second did I ever feel that that record was corny. And maybe other, would, well, other people would disagree. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that record carried itself very differently, though, too. Yeah, there, there was a certain level of hard that they were trying to achieve at that time with that sound that works a little bit better than what sometimes comes across is like an 80s hard, right? Like we're in a warehouse and that warehouse manufactures sparks. Like, it's just like, like there's a little bit of that leftover sound in this. So, and, uh, Ryan, I, could do without. I have a question for both of you guys. Is this related to like hair metal glam? Metal of the 80s. Is the sound itself corny and outdated or is it the sound plus the combination of the videos so right. the videos don't help but like girls yeah. without a video corny as shit <laughs> like, like, like the sound of girls girls is corny. the sound of Dr. Feelgood is corny like yeah. I can't think of a Skid Row song right now what about a rat like round and round I'm just trying to think of some songs oh, where I love that song. Me too. I love that song, and it's <laughs> ridiculous, but I still love it. Me too. It's but it, I think it sounds good. Yeah. But watch that video, dude. It's. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say it's hard for me to say because I've never seen any of these videos. Oh, I can't okay. Tell. We may have to dip. We have to dip our I, toes. Throw some. I had a uh, Randy. Ro sorry. No, I was gonna say I would be down to watch the round and round video. I would yeah, yeah. love to see that. Yeah, I, I got on a bit of a Randy Rhodes kick earlier in this week and had completely forgotten he was in Quiet Riot. Um, oh yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. I mean, there's songs and there's songs again. There's there's songs by the Scorpions that kind of like the guy. Yeah, Scorpions. There's songs by Def Leppard, but 
Yeah, I, I don't know how much of it is the videos because all of it, basically universally, all the videos are like embarrassing. Yeah. Like just bad. Tawny, Tawny Katane on a firebird in front of a warehouse. Right, with the fucking hair and the look yeah. too, the look. Like, there's a lot of things I didn't understand. Like when I came to the States as a kid, there's a lot of things that you just don't understand, right? Like, to this day, for example, this is funny because a couple days ago we were going to watch a movie with the kids and Katie was like, why don't we watch Ghostbusters? And I was like, I've never really loved Ghostbusters. And she's like, what are you talking about? It's like funny. And I was like, I've never thought it was funny. I never thought it was scary. I always thought it was corny. And I've like, since I was a little kid, I just never understood why Americans liked this movie so much. Like I watched it like a couple of times and it just never really moved me. So th there was like things like that, like professional wrestling, I think was another one where like, I just, you just get to the States. I think I get it now, but like when I, I just couldn't understand what people were on about. And then the look of glam metal and hair metal also yeah. was completely confusing to me because the dudes like dressed like women. And the songs were about like, like macho, like fucking girls. The songs, half the songs have the word girls in the song and yeah. they look like girls. I, well, I remember at the time, at the time. Dee Snyder set a high bar for looking feminine. <laughs> in a hair metal video and if you <laughs> like if you put d snyder and any twisted sister video yeah, next yeah. to like a motley crew video yeah motley crew looks like they were just like lifting in the front yard with their shirt <laughs> on they look like the most masculine people you can imagine yeah. compared to d snyder's like bad drag which yeah. i'll be honest i enjoy like the look of D. Snyder and Twisted Sister yeah, yeah. over the rest because it seems fun. Yeah, like, that seems fun. Yeah, it seems fun. Whereas Poison seems like they're like just taking themselves way too seriously. Yeah, and, and but just and they and again, it's 2020, man. Like you, you can dress and look whatever you want and, and write songs about yeah. whoever you want. At the time, sure. as a young boy, and having never really seen anything like that in Peru, certainly. Well, like, yeah. you oh, yeah. show up and you're just like, what, these dudes are dressed like chicks and they're writing songs about well, chicks. And, the, you know, <laughs> the fun part was you could get beat up for being a pussy by somebody who was wearing more... Totally! Totally! Mom. That's the yeah. thing, dude. Completely fucking mindfuck, man. So I wonder again, yeah. this is, for me, is it like, is it just the videos? Is it just the look? Right? Because I can't deny that, like, some of those, some of those songs from that time, they rock, man. And I feel them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think, sorry to go on this think, tangent. This, uh, maybe the sound trumped the look for a period of time. Maybe the videos were like a byproduct and they just got ignored. I, I don't know. Also, Metalocalypse is just, like, for me, <laughs> also was like, I don't know, what, what do you mean? Like a sort of baptism of going back and thinking back to that time and like what people, like what, what's it's Dr. Roxo and, and all, remember like all the bands that they're in before yeah. Death Clock, right? And, that whole shit. Uh, was it snakes and ladders or shoots and ladders or whatever? Snakes and barrels. Yeah. Snakes yeah. and yeah. barrels. Yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that where it was it recontextualized everything. That song, my God, I'm going to forget her name and I'm going to screw it up, but it was like Dory McLean, She's Only 15. <laughs> God, I, miss, I miss that show. I'm mad that it's not being made anymore. Fuck you, Adult Swim, for that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's a great yeah, show, Brent, dude. Brandon Small, please. 
Please. Dr. Roxa, like there's bring, so many great. Bring so us a conclusion. Yeah, there's Seriously. so many great. There was a point at which, and I feel like it was getting really anti like unnecessarily antagonistic where like adults or Adult Swim or whatever it was, the Williams Swap Channel. Williams Street. Yeah. yeah had posted a video of like a fax machine that faxes were coming in and then they were like falling directly into the shredder and it was like these are all your emails asking us to bring metalocalypse back and i was like yeah yo, you guys are dicks yo, yeah that was a great it was like in your top three shows ever i and, i remember watching the first episode and just being like Wait, the guy that made home movies made this show? Like, the Duncan Hills coffee thing? I was just like, <laughs> dude, I think I lost my shit when he was like, do you folks like coffee? <laughs> that shit at the beginning, like, just, I was just like, yeah. oh my god, they're doing a death metal coffee jingle. Yeah, no, great show. Great show, hilarious. Yeah. Anyway. So, Ryan, yeah, let's wrap, this, let's wrap this guy up. Okay. Any, any final thoughts, Ryan, as the one who nominated this? Anything to close this off with? Yeah, I, like you could go, you could do a lot worse than this album for metal at this time. Like at least this was conscious of a thing and was a good way to find sounds that weren't solely metal related. It's, I think it it gets a disservice in in thinking about the bands that get attention from this time frame versus this band being almost completely ignored. It's a bit of a travesty. Motley Crue versus like Living Color or like yeah it, I'm not it, a big it, fan they get forgotten of the crew more often than they deserve for sure um, okay you, you want let's do some ratings before we forget too uh, I'm happy to start I, I think when I, I came in here with my the thought would, was like three star in that general vicinity but I think after having this conversation like again recontextualizing I think they, they deserve more credit they tried so many different things. A lot of them worked. Some of them didn't, but a lot of them worked. And the more I listen to this record, the more I get used to that sound. And it bothers me less, maybe, if that makes sense. I'm going to go three and a half. Three and a half stars. I think it at least gave me one, at least one song and possibly a couple of others to use in mixes. So that makes me super stoked. Yeah, and it was nice listening to this shit. I think yeah. this is the part, by the way, I think this is the part with Lil Richard. Just, I think this yeah. is it, right? It sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyway, go ahead, Jimmy. Right. Same, I think that, like, I would give... I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad we listened to this because I didn't... I don't think they deserve for my only impression of them to have been cults of personality. I think they deserve this listen and exploring things further. And there's stuff on here I really like. There's, it's like a 50-50 split though. The, the songs that I don't like, I like more, more actively don't like than just don't. You know, it, it's weird. It's like half of it, I, the more I, like you Alonzo, I really think the more I listen to it, the more I got like, the, the more that like the datedness and on the whole sound thing became farther and farther away in the back of my mind and the more like I enjoyed it. So I think that, but the album overall, I think is about a 50-50 split of like songs that I liked and like songs that I really just don't want to hear again. <laughs> I would have to give the album overall just because of those songs. I think I'd give it a 2-5 two, a two overall, but I think that my cut of it 
would definitely get at least a 3.5 because I think that you can cut this down to something that's really good and jammable and listenable and all of those other things. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's where I come down on it. Okay. Nice. I think I land in the three and a half range as well. Like this is, I've listened to most of their albums over the last few months after getting in this one for the first time, probably in June. This one I keep coming back to more than the others. And I don't think there are any songs that I think there. So if I'm sitting here and listening intently to the album, I'm with Jenny that there are probably about half the album that I will work out and probably won't listen to and probably won't miss. If it's on and background music and nothing gets skipped, there's not a moment where I'm like strictly disappointed, but I've had a few months of getting used to the dated production sound. I think the drums, like I'd like to hear the drums retract. I'd like to hear the bass levels brought up. And I think this would be a very different presentation. Yeah, I think it's about three and a half for me and that I really enjoy it as it is and as a slice of what was at that time. Yeah. Right on, man. Right on. I'm, no, I'm glad, I'm glad we, you know, I'm glad. I, I feel like part of the project of this for me is like, get a little more of a kick in the ass to listen to like stuff that like might not necessarily just like on its own merit jump out at me. Like in, in the world, like you have to make decisions about what you listen to. You have to curate and then, but when you do that, like you can create an echo chamber. And so for me, like it, it this like sort of thing is useful just to get some new stuff in the mix. Yeah. When we did, when we did the Peter Green record, right? There's a bunch of songs in there that are really great, you know? Would I have just picked up like a Peter Green? Probably not, no. The f old Fleetwood Mac, like blues Fleetwood Mac stuff, like blues rock of the 60s is not super interesting to me in general. Yeah. But we checked it out. It was really cool. It was way more psychedelic and diverse than I thought it was going to be. And the same thing goes here. Like I thought it was just going to be like a funk metal sort of deal. There's a lot of stuff going on here. So I dig it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Cool. Okay. Jenny, do you have uh, thoughts about the next week and what we're going to do? I do. Okay. I've decided. I decided we're going to do it. We're going to do Tin Machine this week. Uh, Tin Machine's debut album from 1989. Okay. And if you look at that photo, hold on. Let's see if I can get back into the text channel. The text channel. Your mission. Here we go. If you check that out, you may or may not recognize the dude on the far left who happens to be David Bowie in a suit, which... <laughs> With a mustache. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun time. Yeah. So this one is a, this is a dad special. Dad picked this up around, right around the time it was newly released and played it like pretty heavily for a couple months. I think that this is a good choice for you guys because I'm assuming you probably haven't heard it. No. I have, oddly enough. You have. <laughs> I think wow. from you, I think I remember hearing like... Really? Thank you. Maybe you had this on CD at some point. I, I think I remember finding this in your car and being like, shock, like shocked and confused that David Bowie was on the cover of an album that didn't say David Bowie on it. Absolutely. Um, and, um, and yeah. So I think it will cool. be similar in like a smoother transition from this one because 
it's David Bowie playing rock in 1989 with three other dudes also playing rock. And so the sound, I think, is going to be... Like, Alonzo, you'll probably have that reaction. You'll have that, oh, like, this is definitely very dated. I don't, but I think it's because I just listen to it so heavily that it's just, like, one of those things that tuned, is long since tuned out. Yeah. You know? It's just familiar enough that I don't have that problem. I mean, it looks interesting but as I'm, well. I'm real curious to see what your thoughts of it are, because I have that bias. I have that bias of having listened to it so much that it's always going to sound good no matter well, what. And I want, a fresh, I want a fresh take. I want to hear a fresh take. Well, well this, the metaphor I can make for that is I love Inca Cola, the Peruvian soda. Everyone tells me that it tastes like bubblegum. I don't understand that. It doesn't, it tastes like childhood nostalgia for me. Like it just yeah. tastes good. But everyone sees, says it tastes like bubblegum. I don't know. I don't know what to say. There's a John, John Lennon song on this album. Yeah, right? Working Class Hero, there great song. Is. Yeah. One also will run a little bit of a gamut. There's a slow ballad. There's some harder, like this style, like metally kind of stuff here and there. But it's the center point is pretty, pretty rock. Nice. I like that there are three different album covers on the Wikipedia page, and on each of them they change who's standing where and facing which direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a fun time. Nice. Okay. Thank you for sticking around.